Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Well, uh, last week, Pastor Danny had a message about, about being desperate, and uh, before that, Probably Wednesday, I guess, before that, I said, you know, Pastor Dan, I have a word. I think God gave me a word, and, and, I, and I wrote this message out. And I said, well, if it's to be used, good. If it's not, it's okay. It's there, you know. And so I told him, and I said, I said, pray about it, whatever God leads. And I didn't hear back from him, so I figured he had, he had a message. And uh, so we come Sunday morning, and he puts his title up, and I'm, I'm freaking out because I'm like, huh, my, my title is kind of like the same thing. So, uh, so, so I show him, and uh, and then he starts freaking out, you know. He's like, "Huh, look at that!" And uh, we actually probably hit one or two of the same scriptures and stuff. But um, but today the title is "Are You Desperate Enough to Step In?" So uh, it's, I guess this could be maybe a, maybe this is a part two or a continuation or whatever. But it's pretty interesting that God gave Pastor a message and then gave me a message before that to confirm all this stuff and you know when when uh you get a word sometimes you you doubt so much that it's god you think it's me and all these great ideas and but i have to think that this is right because he had the same kind of message and um so i'm gonna show you in scripture some people who are desperate for breakthrough and how they stepped in um if we can go to mark uh, chapter 2 1 through 5 and we're going to read it, and then we'll come back, and, and I'll just kind of maybe show you some things that stood out to me. I, I'm not uh, a great theologian by no means. I don't have, <laughs> I don't get great revelation, but, you know, I, I see things the way I see it. And so hopefully maybe you, you'll see some things and uh, can, can relate. Um, and again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and there was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. So uh, this man was desperate. He wasn't letting anything stop him from getting his healing. Uh, if you, when I read, I kind of try and picture like you know a bunch of people in a house as Jesus is preaching, and then next thing you just hear like some crumbling going on, and you're like, you know, what's this? Just imagine if this church and there's somebody busting through the roof, you know. Uh, so just imagine, try and picture it, you know, a man being let through the ceiling, and uh, and then also like just realize that they just broke some dude's roof. I mean, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like, you know, they got, I mean, like, they don't, like, the cost of it to fix it. I mean, you know, rain might come in. They might have rain forecast the next day. But, you know, this guy didn't care, man. You know, he didn't worry about all that. And this man was only concerned with getting to Jesus. What faith? I mean, we, I don't know, I don't know what kind of message this is going to be, but I, I do have faith a lot underlined. But, um, I mean, he had to have faith to be let through a, a ceiling in a man's house, you know. In verse, in verse 5, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, sometimes we've got to step out so Jesus can see our faith, even if we look foolish. I want to say, you know, uh, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll put myself out there. You know, you guys know I was diagnosed with leukemia. 
And, uh, and, I, and I had worries that people said, you're going to be healed. You're going to be healed. And, and I kept saying, well, but God's not saying that. I didn't hear from God. I know he can do it, but God didn't tell me that. But yet three people told me. And I'm thinking, well, well, that's just people, oh God. Maybe you'll have to listen, and God does use prophets, you know. But this is the devil. This is the fight that I had, you know, trying to believe what, what God's saying. And I'm like, but God, you didn't say it, so do I believe it? And then, um, and then we went to the, to the barn one time, the church in Baton Rouge, and a lady came up, and, and this was the lady told me. She said, she said, um, she said, Father wants you to receive your healing. She said, He wants you to claim it. She said, He wants you to claim it. It's yours. You just gotta claim it. So when she said that to me, I'm like, man, I've been walking in doubt and unbelief. You know, I know He can do it, but she's like telling me, just start say, like, claim it. It's yours. So the reason why I'm bringing that up is because, you know, in this scripture that we read about the man with palsy, nowhere is in here that I saw. Did God say, I'm going to heal you, let yourself down through the roof? I didn't see that anywhere. Did anybody else? He just did it. He just said, you know what? I believe it. I'm going in, and that's it. So sometimes we got to, like, you know, we're waiting for God to tell us, and it's like, where's your faith? Just step out. Man, let yourself down through the roof, you know? And uh, so anyway, that's just something I I didn't see that where, where God said to the man, let yourself down, I'm going to heal you. He never said anything. The man just did it. So are we desperate enough? You know, in this church, we have an altar. No roof to push through, nothing standing in our way, and sometimes we can't step out of our pew to come and receive. I don't mean to hurt nobody's feelings. I'm just telling you, this was wrote uh, two weeks ago. So I'm just, this is what God's saying. Yes, God can heal you right where you are. But when you step out, Jesus sees your faith. It didn't matter who saw or what others might have said, the man with palsy was desperate enough to step out. He broke through to get his breakthrough. So sometimes we got to step out, man. I know, like I said, God can touch you and move wherever you at. But brothers and sisters, when you do this and you say, I'm coming, Jesus, he's like, it's yours. Sometimes you got to be willing to step out. Let's go to uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. And I have about four passages that we're going to kind of go through. I don't know how long it's going to be. I don't know how short. So uh, just kind of bear with me. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to read the whole thing. You know, it's, it's about the woman of Shunem. I'm, you know, I just want to make some points that I saw. So we're going to read the passage, and we'll come back, and I'll, I'll kind of show you what stood out to me. I'll give you just a little, a little bit. The, the woman uh, wanted a child really bad. Um, so she prayed, and, 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 uh, and, the, and the man of God said, you'll have a child. So she has a child. Now the child's grown up, and this is where we're picking up at. When the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to Elad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. So this, this boy that the lady prayed for and wanted actually died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And, he, and he, she said, It shall be well. Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass, when the man of God saw her afar off, 
that he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her, and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with thy child? And she answered, It is well. And when she came to the man of God, to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away, and the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. Then she said, Did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins, and take my staff in thine hand, and go thy way. And if thou meet any man, salute him not. And if any salute thee, answer him not again, and lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awakened. And when Elisha was come unto the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in, therefore, and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes, and his hands upon his hands, and he stretched himself upon the child, and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro, went up and stretched himself upon him, and the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her, and when she was coming unto him, he said, Take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. And it was a lot to read, but I wanted to get through the story of it. And I just want to uh, I'm gonna highlight a few things that stood out to me in verse 22. If we can go to verse 22. Now, at this point, the, the, the child died. She lays him on the bed. So she goes out and she called into her husband and she said, send me, I pray thee, one of the young men, one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God. So what stood out to me is the word run. She wanted to run. Uh, Verse 24, if we go to 24. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive, go forward, slack not thy riding for me except I bid thee. Well, slack not to me means go fast. She's like, look, dude, put the the pedal to the metal because don't worry, unless I tell you, you just get going. So not only did she run, but she ran fast. Or her not with the horses. Verse 27. And when she came to the man of God, to the hill, she caught him by the feet. That tells me right there, she caught him by the feet. Verse 30. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. She's not leaving the man of God. She's holding on to his feet and she ain't leaving him. She ran, she ran fast, she got his feet and she ain't letting him go. That's the things that point out to me. I don't know about y'all, but that's what I'm saying. And verse 34. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth. So to me, he breathed life into the soul. So when, when we read this story, I see the man of God as Jesus. No one else could help her. She wanted the man of God, Jesus. She grabbed hold of his feet. Jesus breathed. This is us today. We need to run to Jesus, grab hold of him, and say, only you, Jesus, can do this thing. She was so desperate, she ran fast to the man of God. She grabbed his feet. 
She said, I'm not leaving you. Then the man of God breathed. Some of us need to run, run fast to Jesus and grab hold of his feet and say, I'm not leaving you. I need you to breathe on this thing, whatever this thing is. I want to tell y'all, we had uh, that one blood revival a while back. And uh, some of y'all came and were part of it. But I want to tell y'all, God moved mightily. There are a bunch of testimonies. I know we met some desperate people. Because of that desperation, God delivered those people. People had been bound up for years, finally being set free. This was amazing. They had a tub filled with water for baptisms. We asked people after being set free if they wanted to be baptized. People took off running to the water. They ran right across the field. If you know, it's a, it's a stadium. And so there was a big stage in the middle where people were preaching. But all along the outside edges was your people that were very desperate and in need. And so there was a group of people that would go and pray and cast out demons and deliverances, whatever was going on. And on this side was some people, and the tub was on the other side. And so, like, we, and, you know, a couple of us was praying. And after they got delivered, we said, do you want to be baptized? And they looked, and they saw, and, I mean, they took off running across the field. It was the most beautiful thing. They weren't worried about what was going on stage. They weren't worried about, they, they said, hey, I'm going to get cleaned up. They, and they ran to the, to the baptism. It was, it was amazing. One lady I remember well. She was bound up bad for a long time. This one lady, she was worshiping, and God said, he, she, he said to me, he said, um, he said, one of my children are here. They're worshiping me, but there's something still inside that needs to come out. And, and I looked around, and I told Miranda, I said, I said, I think that lady, and she was all up in it. You know, I'm like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. So we went and we talked to that lady, and we said, you know, this is what God said. And she broke down, she says, I went to, she said, I went to my church three times this past week to be delivered, right? Three times she went to a church to be delivered, still wasn't delivered. So we started right there, and we, we prayed on this poor woman, and we prayed, and man, I mean, demons was howling and screaming, and she got set free. When she got free, she didn't go to the baptism right away, but she took off running and she ran around the whole stadium. She raised her hands, just running in freedom. That's a beautiful thing, y'all. I mean, it, it, it really is. It's just beautiful. And uh, she said after, she said, I never felt so good. She was, she was light. She said, I never felt so good. But that's what Jesus does. Let me tell you, desperation leads to deliverance. To see these people running in freedom was amazing. All because Jesus breathed on them. Amen. Okay, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're going to, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're going to read verse 2 through 19. Uh, and he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penene. And Penene had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh and the two sons Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas the priest of the Lord were there and when the time was that Elkanah offered he gave to Penae his wife and to all her sons and all her daughters portions but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion for he loved Hannah but the Lord had shut up her womb and her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not? 
and why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thine wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Bilal, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let, let thine handmaiden find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So we go back. I want to look at a verse, um, verse 2. Verse 2 says that Hannah had no children. In verse 5, it shows the Lord shut up her womb. So if there's people that are barren, you don't think, oh, man, the devil's fighting me. Oh, this is, you know, well, and here we see that God shut up her womb. God knows the timing of when, you know, to have children. Then in verse 6, it says, her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. So the devil provoked her. The devil is going to fight you when you try and get your breakthrough. I'll talk more about that in a minute. Verse 7. She wept and did not eat. So to me, that says that sounds like a fast, you know. Sometimes prayer and fasting is necessary. You don't have to go there, but Matthew 17, 21 talks about that this kind can only come by prayer and fasting. And I'm not talking bad about anything, but sometimes some, some Bibles leave out the word fasting. And God can answer prayers, absolutely. But, but sometimes you need to fast. Sometimes to break those strongholds, you got to also fast, prayer and fasting. And this is Jesus' words. In Matthew, it shows us Jesus speaking this. He's telling us to, to pray and fast. Verse 10, I see that uh, it says that she was bitterness of soul. She was pretty desperate, you know, bitterness of soul. And then it says that she prayed unto the Lord and she wept sore. To me, she wept, but she wept sore. It was like painful. It was painful that she was weeping. This is a desperate woman. She didn't care who was around or who saw. Verse 12 and 13. In verse 12 and 13, it says that Eli marked her mouth. Well, the word marked means he watched. He didn't like mark her mouth. He watched her mouth. And says, so it says Eli watched her mouth, but no words came out. Her lips were moving. No voice was heard. No, sometimes like, I, like during worship, we, we, uh, we're worshiping and we're praying. Sometimes we're praying in tongues. And, and, and you might look at somebody and, and you don't hear nothing. But man, them lips are moving about 100 miles an hour. It's because them and God's got something going on, you know. And that's kind of where it was. She, it was just her and God and, and 
she was talking, nothing was coming out, and that's what he was witnessing. So to him, Eli thought she was drunk. She must have looked pretty crazy. Everyone else was full of food and drink. Everybody else was, was full of food and drink and having a good time. She must have looked a little crazy. You know, like sometimes you, you go like to family get-togethers and everybody is just you know, enjoying themselves and just a, and yet you and yourself has just got something inside of you that's just mm, eating away at you. So they were all happy. She was weeping bitterly. I'm, I'm going to talk about that. Sometimes like during worship, before church even starts on Sundays and, you know, worship can be going on. And, and I can say, you know, for me about two weeks ago, I guess it was, I was, I was standing up there and I was crying. The Lord had kind of was softening me up, I guess. And uh, I guess I was dealing with some stuff, and he was softening me up. And then Brother Jacob gets up there, and he plays Healing is Here. Man, when I tell you something broke, I, I didn't care. who was. I was coming to this altar. I knelt down, and I wept bitterly. Heather, my sister, come and prayed on me and prayed with me. And I don't know who else, but, but uh, I was weeping bitterly. It did not matter. And I'll tell you, when I did that, that day, I went back, and my hands were shaking. I felt a warm, warm like I knew that day, like, I, I, I'm healed of cancer. I'm healed. I knew something happened that day. So, so she looked a little crazy. But that person doesn't care that comes up here to the altar. They might look a little strange to you. You know, you worship and everything's good. Everything, everything is well with you. But, but this person's going through something we don't know. And, and, and we look at them like, well, man, they just kind of odd, you know. But you don't know what they're going through. But that person that's up there doesn't care because they want their breakthrough. It may be that this person is desperate enough to cry out no matter what. Verse 17, when I read the scripture, uh, Eli answered and said, Go in peace, God of Israel, grant thee thy petition that thou asked of him. So when I, when I read that, to me, verse 17 said, God heard her petition and answered her prayer. And in verse 19, uh, it says, uh, They got up early and worshipped. They rose up early in the morning and they worshipped before the Lord. So uh, sometimes God answers our prayers, and we forget to come back to him to thank him and worship him. You know, I, I know sometimes people that get set free and delivered and healed even, and, uh, and then they never come back to church. And, I, and it boggles my mind. I don't understand that why. You know, God has just set you free. This lady got her prayer answered. God said, I'm going to give you a child. So the very next morning, she goes early in the morning and starts worshiping him. I mean, this lady was in love with Jesus, you know. I mean, so... Sometimes we got to not forget that, you know, when we get our, our prayers answered. But I just wanted to focus on, on the desperation of it, you know. Uh, me and Winnie can relate to this story. We tried for 13 years to have a child. We wept bitterly. All our family around us was having babies. The devil tormented us. He laughed at us and said, we can't have babies. The doctor even said we couldn't have babies. But uh, we have faith, you know, I, I wasn't where I am now, but it didn't matter because God, we still have faith in God. We've always had faith in God. And God answered our prayers. After 13 years, Seth was born, and then three years later, we had Ethan. God blessed us with two beautiful boys who loved the Lord. God was taking his time when he was making his time is perfect. You know, we couldn't understand why her brother was having four children. We couldn't have one. We didn't understand it. But now I can look back and say, okay, God, you're perfect. Your time is perfect. You knew when we could have the child. You knew when we could raise him upright. You knew they'd be here playing drums and bass. You knew God. 
So I guess the devil was wrong. Silly devil. God's word is stronger. Amen. Let's go to uh, Mark chapter 10. I think I got one more after this and then and that'd be it. We don't have a whole lot more. We're going to go Mark 10, 46 through 52. And they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. In the other times where I read the passage and I, I came back, but I think this one I'm going to kind of maybe try and read and, and then tell you what I see, I guess. But verse 46 right away, what stands out to me is blind Bartimaeus. This guy had a nickname. He was marked by the people, blind Bartimaeus. Everyone knew him. They probably said, oh, that's just blind Bartimaeus again. He's just, you know, acting like a fool. You know, I mean, he had a name in the very beginning. They, they named him, you know. They like, you know, he always looks like a fool. Don't worry about him. So when I was younger, people did call me all kinds of names. It might be funny to y'all, but when I was younger, I, I drank a lot. And they would call me Wayno the Wino. I stood against, they called me that, Wayno the Wino. But now they call me Worship and Wayne. <laughs> Amen. But it's hard to get from underneath that when people call you a name. It's hard, to, it's hard to do that. Verse 47 says, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He cried out. We know verse 48 says, And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. People said, shh, but he cried louder. He didn't care what people said or what they thought. He was desperate for Jesus. You know, the world would think we're crazy, and that's okay. But sometimes even the religious folk try and make us quiet. Maybe we make them feel uncomfortable. Maybe we embarrass them. Maybe we're not acting like religious people. But that's a good thing because Jesus likes it. Verse 49. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. Verse 49, what stands out to me is that Jesus stood still. You got to love this. The man cried, Jesus, son of David. Shh, hey, man, be quiet. Jesus, son of David. Jesus said, wait a minute, I heard my name. Y'all see that? Wait a minute, I heard my name. Jesus stood still. Man, when Jesus stands still, when you call on him, that's amazing to me. Jesus stood still. And then he called him. Come on, son. Man, I don't know, man. I just give me something there. I don't know. The, the blind man got Jesus to stop in his tracks. Man, that's powerful, y'all. That's powerful. Verse 52. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith had made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Verse 40, 52 says, Thy faith has made thee whole. Immediately he was healed. And he followed Jesus. Did y'all see that? 
it says that he immediately receives it and he followed Jesus. He wasn't just satisfied with his healing. He wasn't just satisfied with getting to see again. He's like, I'm following this man forever. Sometimes people want the healing without following Jesus. We want the deliverance, but not the following. For me, I'm going to keep on following. Shouting louder and louder because you never know what could be around that corner. Jesus is the sustainer of life. I need him for right now and for tomorrow. In fact, I want him for right now and tomorrow and all eternity. This passage tells me that sometimes even religious folk try and keep you from getting what you need. They say you got to be proper and prim. You can't look like you're a mess. you got to be quiet and reserved. Don't make a fool of yourself, but not my Jesus. He wants us messed up looking like fools. Amen. Full of faith and not doubting. Trusting in him blindly. Completely. Even when the religious folk around you are doubting, he says, stand, believe, and be that light to others. Even if you're in the church and your pastor is telling you that, well, you got to take this medication, he's saying, stand and believe, and maybe your pastor can get saved. So, uh, Brother Chris, I said, if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to talk about you, but he said it was okay. Brother Chris was in a wheelchair. He was bound up. He said he was in depression. He was at the end of his road. He had nowhere else to turn. He was in complete desperation. Now, I'm sure he can tell you this story a lot better than me. As he tells it, one day at church, a pastor said they were going to pray for him to walk. At that moment, he had a decision to make. He could stay where he was and had been, or he could step into destiny. This man of God chose to step into destiny. Forever changing his life. Desperation leads to destiny. And I was going to ask him this question, and I did ask him. I said, Brother Chris, do you still have that wheelchair just in case you can't walk? He said, no. He got rid of the wheelchair. He don't hold on to something. Well, maybe I might not walk again. Let me just hold on to it. He don't have that wheelchair no more. He had to trust God fully, even if he fell flat on his face and looked foolish. He didn't care. We're going to go to uh, Matthew 14, and I think this is the last passage. 22 and 20, we'll go to 29. I think it's 29 we're going to. So Matthew 14, verse 22. And this, and I, I'm just going to tell you, like, this is where uh, they fed the 5,000, and then uh, Jesus told them to get in the boat, go across. And so this is the disciples are in the boat. And, uh, and straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So Jesus tells them, he says, y'all go ahead and get in that boat. Y'all meet me on the other side. I'm going to take care of the crowd. And, you know, and, and we all know the story. I mean, y'all, you guys know the story, you know, that the, the big wind comes and all that. But really, in the very beginning, I just noticed this, that Jesus is the one who sent them out into that storm. I mean, there was a storm. But Jesus sent, he said, y'all go ahead and go. He was maybe trying to see what was going to happen, you know. Uh, See, in 23 says, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. In verse 24, it says, the wind uh, stormed. These guys were fishermen. They should have 
kind of been used to a little storm, but this was a bad one. It's a pretty bad storm. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But, G- but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. So Peter asks them, Well, Lord, if it's you, then bid me to come. And verse 29, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So he, Jesus, said, come. This is where some of us get stuck. Jesus is calling us. We ask him, bid me to come. He says, come, but we're still doubting, willing to stay in the safe boat. But Peter was full on in love with Jesus. Peter said, I'll take that chance. He chose to step out and to step into destiny. No other disciple in that boat. Can you imagine all the things that we miss out on by not stepping out? Because of fear of what people think. Or what if it doesn't work? Well, then you haven't lost nothing. But at least you tried. What if Peter stayed in the boat? We wouldn't be talking about this story today. But because he did, it is written in the word of God. Wow. Seven years ago, God said he would heal me from mental illness. All my family said no. My family knew me as probably mental Wayne. That's to say the truth. They knew I was pretty bad off. So when I said I'm taking all the pills and getting rid of them, they said, no, you might not want to do that, son. Don't stop taking your pills. My brother-in-law, who was an ER doctor, said, no, you got to get off those meds gradually. You could get side effects. I said to them, where is your faith? So I had to make a choice. Do I believe what God said and keep my pills on standby just in case? But that's like halfway believing. So I flushed every pill down the toilet. I said, God, you got to do this because there ain't no going back. And that's the truth. Like, you know, when you flush it all down the toilet, you can't go back and get it. It's gone. So it has to be you, God. You got to get me through this. It's faith. You got you to get rid of it. So I got rid of all of Egypt and trusted solely on him. That was seven years ago. I am still walking free. I recently talked to my sister who lives in the city, and she's got a daughter, my niece, who is battling depression and going through some of the same things I did. Not sure where her faith is. She had went to church, and, you know, I know they know God, but maybe not so much. But, so I'm not sure where her faith was, but I gave her my testimony. Told her what God had done for me. I didn't know she would ever speak to me again or not. I didn't know what she would say. But after speaking to her, I told her, you might call me a holy roller. You might say I'm a Jesus freak. You might say I sound and look foolish. But to that I say, I was once bound, but now I'm free. She replied with amen. So it doesn't matter to me what people say or think. I was desperate enough to step in and get victory. When we have altar calls, I know that God is speaking to some of you. You feel him drawing you in. You feel that tug on your heart. Maybe you feel a lump in your throat. But for whatever reason, you stay in the pew. For me, it's like stepping out in faith. 
No matter who looks, I'm showing Jesus that I love and trust him more than what people think. I want my breakthrough. I want my healing. I want my deliverance. Whatever it may be for you. Jesus said, don't be ashamed of me and I won't be ashamed of you. If you can't step out today in a church where people love you, how can you step out in the world? I don't know what any of you might be dealing with. If it's sickness, if it's addiction, if it's pain and hurt, if it's rejection, depression, dependency on other things, a loved one that is hurting, a family member that is lost, if you need deliverance, if sin is holding you back, whatever it is, I invite you to come down. The altars are open, and these altars are always open. They don't shut down. I know we say that a lot. The altars are open, but they are always open. God is always open. He always wants you to come down. Come down. Don't wait. Come down to Jesus. Lay your burdens down. Let your request and your petitions be known unto God. Don't worry about who's looking at you. See Jesus calling you. Put your eyes on him. And step out in faith. Step into freedom. Step into destiny. Step into deliverance. Step into healing. Be willing to say, I will not depend on A, B, or C, but on you, Jesus. Trust in him and him alone. Throw away the cigarettes. Pour out the alcohol. Flush the pills. Get rid of bad music and movies. Be willing to step out in faith. God is calling you today. You don't have to be bound up. You don't need medicines to make you sane. Jesus is all we need. He is our all in all. He's calling on you today. Would you come? Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.